Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And good morning. Sly with you. And we're talking with Leo Sayer this morning, who's coming to the beautiful, historic Arcadia Theater in St. Charles. Leo, good morning. Good morning to you, Sly. How you doing? I'm, I'm in Miami. Just arrived. <laughs> Yeah, well, we're, you know, we're up here in uh, the, the state line area between Illinois and Wisconsin, right. and, and it's freezing. So. <laughs> it's, it, well, it's warm in Miami. I'm in my shorts, but, you know, I'm going to get ready for it. Don't worry. How did you end it? So were you, uh, were you part Australian? That's how you ended up moving to no, Australia? No, no, no. It was just a place that I loved visiting, you know, just like in the early days in, like, 74, 75, you know, I was visiting the States. I was also visiting in Australia, and um, you know, it's, I tell you, Australia is the only place where I really, truly had Beatlemania. You know, I mean, they were dragging me out of limousines, trying to take my clothes off. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> I know. At airports. Now I know why. Okay, yeah, well, so, I get it. So that was the first impression. But then we had a fantastic sponsor who also had an airline in those days. Australia's biggest, you know, second biggest airline, and. Um, so this guy, Reg Ansett, he, he, at the end of the tour, he said, look, can I fly you to some places in Australia? Because he actually flew his own plane. And so we said, yeah, in no rush to get back home. And so I went and visited all these amazing spots that there are in Australia. And got to tell you, in that week that I spent with him and with my ex-wife with, with us as well, uh, we both just fell in love with Australia. And I just made myself a mental promise that one day I was going to come and live there. And, and that was even, you know, I mean, although I lived uh, for a lot of the late 70s and 80, early 80s in the States, it was always, you know, a place that was in my heart to kind of live in Australia because it's just such a great lifestyle and there's so much space. It's incredible, you know. Well, space is good. Now, you've been at this <laughs> for 50 years. Yeah. So... That's what you're, are you coming to America to celebrate 50 years of service? Well, what we've done is we, we did our tour last year, um, 50 years. We celebrated uh, by doing a big tour of the U.K. And, uh, and, um, and, and it's been natural, you know, to get back to business here. Because here's the crazy thing. I haven't properly toured America since 1984. Whoa. But, but there have been so many business issues. I mean, I've made a few little appearances. You know, we, we did a thing in 96 or so with, um, with, with uh, no, it was in the 2000s with Casey and the Sunshine Band and a few other guys in Asbury Park, New Jersey, that came out on a PBS um, documentary, you know. And I've just done, you know, occasional walk-in gigs with people, you know, old friends and people like that. But... Um, but, you know, this is the first proper tour that I'm, I'm, I'm doing. And, of course, this is a mini tour, and it's going to lead to a much bigger tour at the end of the year. Oh. So we're all finding out kind of how we work together, you know, on this Oh, one. so you're, so this is only one of two? Yeah, sw- yeah. It's, 
Oh, absolutely. We're coming back later in the year, and, we're, you know, we'll be everywhere. So planning a much longer stay and, um, you know, many more theaters and, you know, all over the States. So do you like playing these old historic theaters? I do, actually, yeah. We get a lot of those in England, yeah. I mean, look, I'll play anywhere. You give me a festival, I'll be there. I'll be there. Madison Square Gardens, you know, the Bottom Line Club, I don't care. I, I just love doing my show. So... I want to ask you about writing before we even talk about performing, because obviously you can write. (laughs) And where did you pick that up? I mean, when did you... Yeah, I was always a songwriter. um, And and I was a frustrated graphic designer. Well, I was a graphic designer, but I was a frustrated painter when I was young. And um, I ended up with doing a lot of uh, work of, of, of doing record covers. I did record covers for design record covers for Bob Marley and all sorts of people, you know. And um, so I was always kind of near the business, but my creativity was usually in different forms. Like I was trying to write, I wrote poetry, did a lot of things like this. But then I had a break where I met my first um, uh, co-writing partner, David Courtney, and we started writing songs like The Show Must Go On, Giving It All Away for Roger Daltrey, Show Must Go On, of course, Three Dog Night. And... uh, you know, all of these one-man band and then Long Tall Glasses, all of those songs came out in a real flurry. And I just found that with David, I was writing the lyrics most of the time, the words, and David was writing the music. And we just hit this partnership, which was just incredible straight away. It was kind of like an Elton John, Bernie Taupin thing, right? It's very, very much like that. But then as time has gone on, I've started to write by myself. So I've, I've taught myself how to play rudimentary instruments, you know, um, just the, the basis of it. And most of it is done with computer these days. So I've actually got to the point now all the way along to here, you know, being 74, nearly 75, 75 in May. And now I'm producing my own records, engineering my own records, writing the music and writing the lyrics. So I don't know how that's come in, but it's, I think it's the need to create. You know, I'm a creative person. So that's how it all came together. So you adapted to this technology. Totally, totally. I mean, when the, when the technology came along, what we call the, the digital audio workstation, the door, when we suddenly found out that we could make music with a computer, I was one of the first guys to, to get in there, you know? And then you're programming with Lin drums and all of this sort of stuff. You actually find out you don't need to call people. You can actually do it by yourself. And that's the joy of being a totally creative person, is that if you can... And I just made an album recently called Selfie, which has been very well received. And I did it all myself. You're like Paul McCartney or Prince. Yeah, well, I think I'm in that genre, you know. I mean, I grew up with, as a, you know, friends with people like Springsteen and and um, and, and and Stevie Wonder, and I, I I knew Prince very early on, and these were all the kind of people that I felt comfortable talking to because we talked the same language. So, if if you go back and you read about the Beatles, they're yep. always working. I mean, they yeah, worked. Absolutely. They worked really. Really hard. Same with Prince. Obviously, same thing with you. Now, I've heard criticism of some young musicians, uh, you know, older musicians say they're not working as hard as they used to. Do you think that's true? It is, but everything has come back to us. You know, it's like the music that we made at that time from the late 50s to the 60s to the 70s to the 80s is 
dare I say, so much more creative and so much more involved and so much more passionate than a lot of the music that's made today. And I don't mean to knock the music that's made today because there are some great young artists out there, Ed Sheeran, Taylor Swift, you know, they're really as talented as we were. But the thing is, we worked in a way that we had to create everything ourselves. It wasn't handed to us on a plate. There was no system. And now there's a system so it's very much, very easy to make records, you know, because you've got a lot of mechanics out there. You know, if you look at a, the credits on a Mariah Carey record or, or I don't know, a Taylor Swift, there's about a thousand uh, people involved, you know. And we come from an age where we did it all ourselves. I mean, watch the Beatles Get Back movie and you see that, you know, just four creative guys bouncing off the, the great producer and, and a great engineer, of course. But essentially, it's all in the, in, the, in the hands of those guys. What year did you release How Much Love? Uh, 76 or 77. So I was in high school. We had a high, <laughs> we had a high school radio station. Yeah. And we would play, we'd get to play one song before we made the morning announcements to the whole school. Wow. And I'll never forget debuting your song to the whole high school. Oh, that's really cool. Thank you so much. That's the closing song in the act now, and uh, we it's really rock a, it up. It becomes such a quite great, rolling stone. Such a, such a great song. <laughs> yeah, Barry Mann I wrote that with, who was, you know, wrote You Lust That Loving Feeling and so many amazing songs. So it was, it was a real thrill to work with Barry. T tell me about the musicians you uh, are going to have with you on this tour. By the way, the, the show mm. in St. Charles at the Arcadia is March 24th, and I see the tickets are selling fast. You know, that's good. It's really going well. Yeah, yeah. We got to, we just got to fill the place. That's, that's the, aim. that's the aim. <laughs> well, you're going to love the place. So yeah. it's not that, no, that we've far got a, Yeah, we've got a, we've got a British band. Um, I, I have an Australian band and a British band, would you believe? How about that? Well, they're all part of the Commonwealth. Well, yeah, exactly. And, and I split it at the equator. How about that? So anything north of the equator, the Brits get. And anything south, the Aussies get. <laughs> you know, so. so are these musicians of your era? Are they No, no, they're, they're, they're all younger than me. But boy, I mean, I know because I pay them a lot of money. They are absolutely top draw guys, you know, amazing. And I find that if I get really, really good players, I can work with just four guys. I mean, a lot of... A lot of people need backing vocalists. I mean, all the guys sing. They're all amazing musicians. They're, they're, they're very much in demand, but I'm very lucky that this same band has stayed with me for the last six years or seven years. I've only, so, been, I've only been to one show since the pandemic's been over, mm -hmm. and I went and saw Alan Parsons play in Milwaukee. Oh, yeah. I've got a good friend. And he's got four guys that sing in his band. Each yeah. one of them could be a lead singer in any other band. That's it's right. You've got David Clayton and all those guys. Yeah, great musicians. But you know, as I as I, I was born in 1961, as I looked mm -hmm. around the crowd, we were all having so much fun. I kind of felt like I was reliving that era where all of us went out and bought stereos yeah. for our house. <laughs> <laughs> I call it the dazed and confused era. But yeah, and, and you know what's exciting now is everybody's coming back to concerts after COVID and after the pandemic has closed everything down, and they are so thrilled to be there. I just played recently in Sydney, and it was just amazing, the audience. Unbelievable. They were so glad to be there, so relieved, um, excited, you know, and that's great. There's nothing like 
playing in front of a crowd, is there? Yeah, no, no, nothing. It's my life, you know. I, I think, I mean, some people like said, said to me, you know, where do you live? And I said, I live between the drum riser and the mic stand. <laughs> do you, uh, <laughs> how, how have you taken care of your voice over the years? Everybody's voice matures, mm. right? Mm. How, I'm pretty strong. I mean, I, I'm lucky um, that I have a really strong voice. I mean, I was a choir boy when I was, when I was very young. And I used to sing solo, solo soprano, you know, at, at the age of seven to 11. So, so you know, basically, uh, I always had a strong voice. And I guess I'd been lucky, but I mean, I, I didn't do all the drugs that everybody was doing, all the drinking, all the partying. You know, I remember um, uh, when I first met Roger Daltrey of The Who, and, you know, I had a hit with uh, him singing my song, Giving It All Away, Just a Boy. And... He turned around to me and he said, Leo, you're going to be the most miserable member in the band, like me. You're going to be the guy who doesn't stay up partying, doesn't go out with all the, all the chicks and, and, and the groupies. You're going to be going to bed every night to save that voice. And well, it's good advice, you know? Uh, it's tremendous advice. And look at Roger, still singing still great. Still you know? singing great. Yeah, man. He sounds, he sounds terrific. It's uh, it's remarkable. People's voices still change, even if they haven't really. They do. Used their I, I've body. been very very lucky. Um, I've got a good set of pipes, and I've also still got my my own hair, which is an, another well, unique that, thing. Th th your hair is obviously part <laughs> of your trademark, right? I mean, I can't believe it. It's seventy five in May, um, and it's still there. You know. Yeah, and I take it it is naturally curly, right? You it is naturally curly. Right. Yeah, it's not permed. Right. Uh, <laughs> when it when it comes to audiences, who's showing up? Well, it's, it's, it, 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 it sometimes depends on the country, okay? I mean, we're just about to go on a rock and romance cruise here. So everybody will be our age, you know? Uh, and that's, you know, because that's, that's the kind of group that come to see it. But I can play festivals, and, and I mean, I'm playing a festival in, on April the 1st in, in a place called Adelaide. Huge festival. There'll be about 18,000 people there. And I'm the only old act on there. All the rest of them are kids in their teens and their 20s. And they're all the kind of, you know, MTV kind of artists, you know. So they've put me in there for a bit of fun. And I just can't wait to show them how it's done. Does he keep you young? Totally, totally. Yeah, absolutely. I've got a mental age of 25, 26. Well, that's outstanding. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing you play. I've never yeah, man, had a, it's going to be really fun. I think you'll love the show. Ever had a chance to see you play? Part of the soundtrack yeah. of my life, you know. Uh, by the way, how did your life change after "When I Need You" came out? Oh my God! Yeah, everything really because. Yeah, up to that time, we'd had some hits in, in in America, but they were in the lower rungs of the charts. And it was actually "You Make Me Feel Like Dancing" was the first number one from the album "Endless Flight" in '76, right on the cusp of '77. Oh, that's right. '77, uh -huh. yeah. And I remember being in the Bergdorf Goodman store in Fifth Avenue in New York, and we knew it was bulleting up the charts. And we had a big show to do in 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 New York. I think it was uh, actually we were playing. Um, uh, in 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 the park, you know, uh, Central Park, and uh, and I was just going in there innocently doing some shopping and wondering in the back of my head how the record's getting on. Mm, would we make number one this week, or is it is it going to be another week? And all of a sudden, somebody burst in and said, "There he is, he's number one." <laughs> and I was carried out of the store. And they said, where are you going? I said, well, Plaza Hotel. And I was carried on this guy's shoulders. And everybody was, peep, but, you know, 
beeping horns and, and shouting out and joining this incredible procession of people taking me up on this guy, this huge guy's shoulders all the way to the, to the plaza. And then when I got into the plaza, it was a standing ovation there, you know. So that's what number one meant. It meant so much in those days. So, so all the hours of solitude and writing. Yeah. And, and struggling, right? Str <laughs> all that vision of the artist in the garret. You know? Right. And suddenly, in a, you know, in a flash, yeah, yeah. you're on top of the mountain. And, and here's a nice thing. I mean, I emigrated to Australia in 2005. Okay, because, you know, loving Australia and moved down there with my lovely partner, Donatella. And um, so we come in and the week before we left, a guy had made a, a, a remix version of one of my songs, Thunder in My Heart from 1977. And, um, yeah, and it sounded great. So I said, yeah, please go ahead. You have my permission. Please, please release it. The next thing I know is they're searching for me because <laughs> they'd set up this thing to say, I don't know, it's a PR kind of, kind of ruse, I suppose. Um, Leo's missing somewhere in the Australian bush, and we can't find him. <laughs> but the record, on the day it was released, went straight to number one in the UK. So isn't it incredible how things can be reborn in that way, you know? So I went over to England, and I'm on all these kids' shows, you know, um, all these kind of boy bands at the time in 2005, and I'm in amongst them, and I'm miming... You know, because they didn't, they wanted me to just, uh, you know, mime to the songs, lip sync, you know. I'm lip syncing to, the, to a vocal that I made in 1977. And I thought, well, this is fame. <laughs> Absolutely. Are you, by the way, one of the first songs, 74, I was 13. That's really yeah. when I began to discover music. And the show must go on from Three Dog Night was one of my first favorite yeah. songs. I had no idea that you had. No, a lot of people didn't know. Perform that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, Three Dog Night had come over to England and seen me performing on the, the English TV show um, uh, Top of the Pops. And, um, and, and they'd seen me performing, and they instantly kind of turned around and looked at each other and said, let's do that. Because, you know, they were always looking for Randy Newman or, or anybody's songs, you know, um, to, to sing. And I didn't even realize that they'd released it until I was on the plane to America looking forward to The Show Must Go On coming out as my unique first single. And there they were. They usurped me. And they changed the lyrics because they said, we must let the show go on. When I was saying, I won't let the show go on. But, look, it all ended up really great because it was, a, it was fantastic to have a top ten, top five hit with those guys. You well, know? they're a band that certainly should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, definitely. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But so should you. Well, eventually, we'll get there. <laughs> but look, this is all a big plan at the moment. I've taken a three-year visa with my band as well. So, look, we're just going to keep working this. This is an introductory tour that we're doing at the moment, and, um, and it's fun, and it's going to be lovely. We go on the Rock and Romance cruise first, then we've got Tampa. Uh, then we come up to, uh, well, a place called Largo, just by Tampa. And then we come up to Cincinnati, uh, and then we and then we come to, to to St Charles and 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 that'll be it for this time around. But I'll be back later in the year. They're planning a big big tour. Well, I wish you nothing but success. It's yeah, just been I'm an honor. Yeah, and young and ready it, for it. <laughs> it's been an honor to talk to you, Leo Sayer. Once again, coming to the historic Arcadia in St Charles on March twenty fourth. Leo, uh, safe travels out there. Lovely talking to you. All right. Have a great Say hi day. Hi to all the all the people listening. All Cheers. Right. Thank you so much.
Bye now. Bye bye. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.